2: Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to your one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, Brady Quinn. Outkick the coverage here, Fox Sports Radio. Coming up on the show, an epic performance by Kevin Durant. What does it mean moving forward for not only the Brooklyn Nets, but the Milwaukee Bucks and their franchise? Speaking of the state of Wisconsin, Aaron Rodgers is talking, and it just continues to feel more odd as the days pass by. Speaking of odd, a coach in the NFL talking about his quarterback situation. We're not quite sure what the heck he's doing. And Shannon Spake is here, a
0: The man himself, Brady Quinn. You know, Jonas, there's going to be two ways that we're going to handle today and two ways you can view last night's game. Some are going to call it one of the greatest gag jobs of all time. okay? Yeah. And others are going to call it one of the greatest performances of all time by, by maybe the greatest player in the NBA. That, that is how this will be talked about. I, I don't know why it has to be one or the other. It can kind of be both. But I think if, as we found in this country – you got to pick a side. You, know, you, you, you can't actually talk with any reason. You can't actually talk with you know, any, um, I guess, a semblance of agreeance with both sides. It, it's got to be one or the other. Yes, And that's, and that's what, we what was interesting is I think for all those people who turned the TV off at halftime of last night's game, you missed one hell of a performance by Kevin Durant. You also missed the fact that if you're a Bucks fan, you got to be so frustrated with this team and charles barley ta- tra- tra- you know chuck charles barley talked about it at halftime he he literally said it at halftime he said they're up 16 and they should be up by 30 they take bad shots schematically they don't take advantage of mismatches as much as they should and they're still up 16 he literally he literally breathed the comeback into existence telling bucks fans as much as you're up right now, you're still playing awful basketball, and it came down in the end to bite them. So, yes, both can be true. Both teams, one can gag it, and the other one can have a great comeback by the, you know, one of the best players, maybe one of the best scorers we've ever seen in the NBA, yeah. but both can be true. Uh, first of all, Durant is a flat-out
2: murderer. I mean, it, he, he, 48 Slim minutes. Slim Reaper, man. Yeah, listen, played the entire game and was unbelievable. Um, just some of the shots he was hitting, especially in the clutch down the stretch, there was no answer for it. The conversation had been out there. Is he the best player on the planet? Look, man, it's hard to argue. I, I mean, it's hard to argue just based on, on the performance. He put, and this isn't prisoner of the moment type stuff. There was a lot of those conversations. That were happening when he was winning Finals MVPs, and he was outplaying LeBron James in those finals. Um, I've always been um, a, LeBran- a, a Durant guy. I've always been a fan of his game. Like he, rem- he reminds me a lot of Larry Bird. Like a, a more skilled Larry Bird, but reminds wow. me a lot of a guy who handles the ball. Um, is you know, uh, he? I mean, he he doesn't want to be seven feet tall, but he basically is seven feet tall and can just hit a shot whenever he wants to hit a shot. And some of the some of the threes he was making the drives to the basket all of that is wonderful all of that is great it was an all-time historic performance it's going to be one of those games that you look back on when they roll the credits on his career that's going to be one of the go-tos and they're going to talk about james harden who not only was he not a hundred percent i don't even know if he was twenty percent james harden uh you had kyrie irving who was still out But you also got to give some credit. Jeff Green, uh, seven threes. like That was huge off the bench. They were fantastic down the stretch. And the second half of that game, they took that game from Milwaukee. But you got to have willing participants. And when the Milwaukee Bucks decide that we're going to go ahead and we're just going to kind of coast through this a little bit, and then we're going to fumble a ball around and Giannis can't hit free throws. And then, you know, when you've got James Harden, and they were making this point afterwards, when you've got Giannis in the block – he can get to the basket whenever he wants. Whenever the hell he wants, he can get to the basket. We talked about it last week. He takes two steps from the th- from the, uh, the three-point line, and he's at the rim. Like, he's got that sort of athletic gift. And when you've got Giannis down on the low block... And James Harden, who's on one leg and a shell of who he is when he's 100 percent, is guarding him. And also a guy who's never been known for his defense. You've got every possible advantage you could possibly want. And James Harden waves off the double team and Giannis settles for a fadeaway. That is a terrible look. And Charles Barkley said it after the game. He said, look, I'm telling you right now. I wouldn't feed those guys on the plane back. Like he said, he's all, he's all, I wouldn't feed him. He goes that was that was a t- that was as good as of a performance that was for Kevin Durant. That was equally as terrible of a loss for the Milwaukee Bucks and their fan base has got to be losing their minds. But at least it's okay because they got their quarterback uh, who's fired up about Packers football coming up. So we're fine here. Don't worry about it. Everything's fine.
0: I, I do think James Harden being out there was it was evident he wasn't healthy. You know, you said maybe twenty percent. It was probably a little bit better than that. Although he he couldn't run, he he couldn't really have any sort of quick movement. No, um, he seemed like he was a liability at times. I, I was texting with you throughout. I said, "Watch all his shots be short, because he just doesn't have any legs." You know, and and even though he shoots a, shoots a uh, set shot anyway, he just could not get enough on of it on it. But I, I think that's one of those things where when you're at home your team needs some sort of optimism or inspiration as much as we act like at the next level it doesn't matter it mattered it, it mattered it it really did in my opinion just him being out there i think it changes the perception of him a little bit you know a guy who's never won a championship who's obviously trying to go for that doing all he could he he knew he was going to be needed and steve nash talked about how they left the decision up to james and he wanted to be out then you wanted to try to give it a go so I'm not sure what that'll mean for the next two games. Um, that's the first time we've ever seen a, a player, you know, in, in the case in, in Durant, hit 49 points, 15 rebounds, what, 10 assists? Is that what it yeah, was? He, yeah, yeah, he was incredible. incredible. I mean, it, it, was, it was unbelievable. But to your point, Jeff Green stepped up. I got Blake Griffin stepped up. Uh, and then on the flip side, the bench didn't play as well for the Bucks. And P.J. Tucker offensively was nowhere to be found. And, and, and I know we're like, oh, what does that matter? Well, in a tight game, it matters. You know, when the guy had, what? how many points did he have the last game? 13, 17 points?
2: Yeah, he's he's always a contributor. He's mostly known for his defense. But when you get any sort of offensive production and then the following game, he's nowhere to be found, especially in a tight game like this. I mean, come on, man. Right. So, somebody, it, you you got to hit shots.
0: Those threes, those shots, they make a difference. They make a difference. They they, they did in game four. And that's, that's one of the reasons why they were able to win and kind of build some momentum when you've got everything working in unison. So that's one of the biggest differences. I also wonder this. Do they come back if there's not fans? Because I don't know if they do, man. Like, I think Um, if you're not playing at home, it got to a point where in the fourth quarter I'm watching this, and I started asking myself that question because you got a sense that, like, Kevin Durant feeds off that. A lot of athletes feed off of that. It's almost like, if you know, for if people have ever been in a fight, and when you've got all these people around you kind of rooting for you, you get the sense of, like, yeah, like, no matter what happens, like, they've got my back. And it's kind of a freeing feeling. And I just thought he shot the ball with reckless abandon. I mean, not saying that he took bad shots, but the shots he was hitting down the stretch to me, it, it seemed like he was just even playing with more confidence. Almost like he knew that at the end of the game, like if they could keep it close, like they were going to win it because they were playing at home. Because watching him in Game Four, he looked defeated. He looked like it looked like he was out there just trying to figure out who else he could rely on. And and after the first half, you would have thought he – he would have felt no different because the Nets played awful in the first half in comparison to the Bucks. But then in the second half, they turned it on. And it's the, the last thing I'd say is, you know, it, it's funny how in a series like this, you can kind of have those ebbs and flows, and the next game's always the biggest. But this is the one that we talked about was kind of going to be like the backbreaker. Like, I, obviously, we felt like it, it's, it had to go six, but – I don't even know that it goes seven now. Like, I am kind of curious to see if the Bucks can rally, if they can go back home and try to make something happen. Because their best player in the moment when it mattered most, when Giannis had the ball, I think it was like 30 seconds left, whatever it was, down by two, down in the block, Jeff Green was guarding him, and somehow that ball slips out of him. Like, that was the moment where I was like, oh, for, for, forget taking a, a fadeaway shot versus Harden. When you've got the ball with 30 seconds left, you're on the block. And yeah. you somehow lose it, and you allow Jeff Green, who's you know, way, way smaller, it's, it's a mismatch, and somehow the ball gets loose and gets knocked out. That was it. That was the ball game. I, I was sitting there watching and going, yeah, that's, that, that's going to be the play that I come back to and go, if this game goes into overtime, we'll see if, if the Nets continue, continue this momentum and hot streak. But it was that moment where you needed your best player to step up, and he couldn't, not like Durant did.
2: Well, I, uh, I also felt myself and look, there's a lot of reasons to for for people out there that for fans to root against the Nets because they go, oh, my God, well, they just they got all the three best players. And uh, Kyrie Irving is, uh, is a bit of an odd odd bird and James Harden quit on his team and, and Durant's just a front runner. So they, they're an, they're an easy team for a lot of fans to dislike. I felt myself rooting for him last night. I just wanted to see him pull it off because they were so compromised and I just want, cause I've always loved Durant. Like I said, I've, I wanted to see him pull that off. I wanted to see him have that moment to where he unequivocally was the best player on planet. You can debate it for whatever you want, but for at least a night, at least a night, he's the, he was the best player on planet earth. Uh, uh Giannis said it afterwards and I found myself rooting for them. And, and I would, you asked me that two months ago, not a shot in hell because there, there were a, a really easy team to not like, but I found myself rooting for the Brooklyn Nets, and I think a lot of people found themselves rooting for it just to see if Durant could pull that off. Uh, and with all this, uh, all this being said, who knows? Maybe they won't win another game, and all this is a mute point. But
0: for right now, <laughs> well, for right
2: now, you know, we're talking in the moment.
0: It, it was interesting that they announced all three all, all NBA teams, and Durant didn't make one. Yeah. Well, listen, I mean, you know, I mean, Kyrie all, at least made third, you know, third team. Yeah. But. They're there's there's some people that are, that are bothered with some of the names. It was a hard happen. no. Harden who didn't make it. Dram made it. Dram uh, was first. Um, right? Well, yeah.
2: There's there's also um, you know uh, some other guys that that were uh, that were no shows on the All NBA team. But
0: you know, point being, <laughs> well, uh, you don't want to get into that right now.
2: Well, listen. I mean, I just I, like it, the whole the whole debating NBA MVPs. It just it feels like people focus so much on the individual awards in the NBA and they turn it into this knock on somebody else. And it just it just wears me out. I just think some of the Conversation around the NBA player awards just bother me. Like you, you don't see this same thing happen in the NFL. Like you know, like no, it, it just it's like you go oh, okay, whatever. Like somebody makes a Pro Bowl and you go, yeah, well he's an alternate, big deal. Like they kind of scoff at it. It's like in the NBA, like if you get held out of a list, uh, somebody's out to get you, and there's no respect. And then you run to Twitter and put
0: up some emojis. It's just it, way too much drama for me. Right. It's like, like Tanya Harding screws and to come in and they're they make sure they fix that next time. Exactly. It around,
2: Listen, right? it, yeah. and sometimes you got to handle things that way
0: this this is
1: i kick the coverage
2: Did we have a statement made in the NFL? An interesting conversation uh, involving a superstar in the NFL. And we'll have the very latest on that coming up a little over 10 minutes from now here on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, But right now, she is always kind enough to join us, and she is a damn TV star. A damn TV star. Uh, You know, I'm I'm doing stuff around the house, and I look up, and there's Shannon Spake on television, uh, looking uh, dapper as usual. I mean, it's, it's what she does. When she's not, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, with her husband, and they're pulling snakes out of the water that are like ninety feet uh, long. It's like she's basically on the set of Anaconda, and she's like, like pulling snakes out of a body of water. She is doing great television for Fox Sports One, and she joins us now here on Outkick the coverage, Shannon. What's happening?
3: I see. I see what you're doing there. You're you're trying to compliment me, but you're also letting the bosses know that you always have FS One on at home. So much so that you're, like, just randomly doing, like, work around the house and, and watching Race Hub on on a, I guess it was a Thursday night. <laughs> Damn right. Great. well, it's, well this is oh, what I Shannon.
0: do. Shannon, <laughs> yeah. Jonas brought up a great point. I, I feel like you could have easily played the role of Jennifer Lopez in Anaconda. I mean, have you have you acted before? Like, could you have jumped into that role, you think?
3: So, working at FS1 and Fox Sports, we do a lot of like like spooks, right? Like we do a lot of like music videos, or we just have a lot of fun on set, like leading up to some of our our racing shows. And I've learned over the years that I'm not an actress at all. I, I can't, <laughs> I, 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 I at all, right? I, I can't keep a straight face. Some people are just like so good at it, and I and I like think that I am. And you always think like, oh, I could do that, but no, no, not an actress. Um, and I, I couldn't. And first of all, Jennifer Lopez, like she's reverse aging. So that's quite the compliment. And if it's the snakes that are doing it, I'm all in.
0: Okay, very good. Uh, now, well, I, it's not I, a problem for you? Then you got plenty uh, of snakes. Well, listen, yeah. I,
2: I've I've got to ask you the question because I was thinking about this. Like, wh- 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 how is this going to go? Like, where the hell are you going to go with this answer? Because you cover so many different sports, not just NASCAR, but obviously you know football and work on the sidelines and and been doing this for for as long as you have. We were talking about the great performance of Kevin Durant last night, and just you know one of the great individual performances we've seen. But for you, up close and personal, like what are some of the individual performances that you have seen that you will take with you later on and and you can tell people about, you know, uh, for for the longest time about I was there when this happened from so-and-so at this sporting event.
3: Yeah, so I did write some stuff down. I, I actually just the bosses know I wake up early to listen to the start of your show <laughs> so that I know exactly what you're talking about. Awesome. Um, there you go. Uh, so I did. I did quickly. It's hard to kind of like jog my brain when when there's been so much, um, and I think of a lot of like performances, are individual performances in the moment, like like a guy like Saquon, right? I, I know that he's battled injuries as of late, but when when that dude breaks loose. And get through that line, and he can do some of the stuff that he does. You just go wow, right? In that moment, you go wow. But some of the some of the larger stage um, performances. So the 2015 national championship, um, Duke versus uh, Wisconsin. Grace and Allen came to play, and I remember after that game, Coach K saying something like, well, now everyone is going to know who Grayson Allen is. Because I just remember him sort of taking over that game. As I think he was a freshman, too, in that game. And uh, Anthony Davis, I covered the national championship, Kentucky, Kansas. And wow. I remember he literally would, like, defend on one end. And then, like, he would be down at the other end shooting a three or shooting a two. And nobody knew at that time that he could really – he had the range to, to shoot all those threes and – Coach uh, Calipari just let him go in that game. And, and I remember just being like, whoa, and we were just like back and forth and back and forth with AD. Um, Amir Abdullah in a Nebraska-Miami game, dude ran for 229 yards. And I just remember it was such a cool environment, first of all, because it was at Nebraska. And, and, Brady, I know you've probably played there before, but that environment at night. Um, and it's a Miami game. And it was Bo Polini who would just lose his mind on the sideline if you ever watched him and and that um, performance by Amir was really good and then I think just long term I covered the 2015 Kentucky Wildcats from start to finish and watching Carl Anthony Towns over that season become the player that he would eventually become because he wasn't if you know at first and Cal Perry was so hard on him and I was able to watch a lot of those practices one-on-one in preparation for um, for their run in the in the um, in the tournament, uh, I was embedded with them that year because they were undefeated. And so watching Carl Anthony Towns sort of come into his own was a pretty cool thing as well. So there so you I'm go. And ask you,
0: just because you brought up uh, uh, Kentucky, it's a complete tangent. But I also have a lot of buddies who went to Kentucky, and oh, they're always yeah, clamoring about out. the basketball program, program <laughs> yada, 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 all, everything else that comes along with it. Why haven't they have sustained success? Because if I'm not mistaken, that year – they had a great regular season, maybe even SEC tournament, but I don't think they ended up winning it, did they?
3: Uh, no, no, they didn't. They lost in the, uh, to Wisconsin in the Final Four. That's right. And then Wisconsin right. went on to play Duke in the final four. They almost lost to Notre Dame in the elite eight. I remember that game. And yep. I just remember sitting there. I was literally embedded with this team. I hadn't seen my family in like six weeks, right? Because I would go from the, the tournament location to, to uh, Lexington to watch them practice, to be with that team, to walk to class with those guys. Uh, Devin Booker was on that team, by the way. Uh, it was just, it was so much fun to, to watch those guys. Uh, but um they did not win it was I remember it just being like oh, the, the behind the scenes after that game just watching those kids the look of shock even with John Calipari just a look of shock
2: yeah, Shannon. Let me tell you a little behind the curtain here. Uh, the, the only reason Brady brought that up uh, to ultimately end the Kentucky story in heartbreak <laughs> because they lost is because he likes to ride his friends when it comes to the Kentucky Wildcats and likes to get under their skin. So if they are listening to this, he wanted them to be reminded that they came up short. That
3: they short didn't that year. win. Yeah, that, that's yeah.
2: It, it was it was all an elaborate ruse uh, by Brady Quinn to hold, hold sort hold of bust chops on. here, Shannon. Unbelievable. Shannon, I'm just
0: saying. You followed the team. You had intimate knowledge. Yeah. And uh, so I want to make sure that, that you were able to review that year that they were so great, but not able, able to win a national championship. I, I do remember exactly where I was, though, for that Notre Dame, Kentucky game. And I'm not, I'm not scared to admit it. All right. I was at my buddy's wedding in Napa. <laughs> I left the reception, I found oh an Irish God. bar. I was there with like 60 other people. And we were beside ourselves because, look, they should have won. Well, I don't know if they should have or shouldn't, but they are close. And I'm like, there's no Uh way they should be close with the Kentucky Wildcats, given how talented that team was. So just the fact that it was close, I think, was it Jerry and Grant who had that last second shot that I think Carl Anthony Towns like ran down the entire court with him the whole length, ended up missing. But I remember that moment just thinking like there's no way those guys should have even been close to Kentucky, and yet they still were able to at least have a shot to win it, I think, in the end.
3: Do you remember when that team, the platoons, like the very first game, and I want to say maybe it was against Kansas, like in a tournament early in like November, yeah. Yeah. where they came out and every, they were like the monsters, right? Where they had their pictures because that's what they looked like um, from Space Jams. Like they looked, they were so big. And then all of a sudden, here came five more. And then when those five got tired, here came five more. And what John Calipari did that year was so unique. Um, personally, like watching that team, I just think that it got to them. Every single weekend, it was – I mean, and I watched them get close in games where it would be like six or seven minutes and Georgia would be up or six or seven minutes and Texas A&M would be up on them. And then they would just turn it on, right? They would just turn it on. And all of a sudden, they've got a 15-point lead in the last five minutes. Uh, I just think that they just, um, they just ran out. They ran out of whatever it was because that was a really long season for those kids. They were under a ton of pressure every single weekend. What's it like to be undefeated? It's undefeated. Is undefeated. They had camera crews following them. It was because uh, they wanted to do a documentary when they did go undefeated. I just think it got to them. They're, they're 18. Those are all freshmen. They were 18 years old um, coming in and, and, and playing in one of the biggest uh, organizations and, and one of the biggest fan bases out there.
2: See, I have wondered that as well, too. And you talked to these coaches, uh, Shannon Spake joining us here on uh, Fox Sports Radio, Outkick the Coverage, Brady Quinn, Jonas Knox with you here on FSR. I wonder how many of these coaches, like I'll, I'll bet if you ask Belichick, he would have rather the Patriots, that, that team that lost, uh, that was trying to go undefeated to, and lost to the Giants, Giants in the right? Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, I'll bet if you ask some of these coaches, they would rather have lost a game in the regular season just to get it out of the way. Because I think that was, the, that was the quote when Calipari said um, there, was a, there was a tight game early in the tournament, and I think it was one of my favorite quotes because he told him, he's like, yeah, I just told my guys, just land the plane. He goes, it's going to be bumpy, but just, just land the plane. Don't crash it, okay? I'm, I'm okay with it, especially early on, but just land the plane. And I wonder how many of those coaches, although they'll be upset with a regular season loss, look at it and go, ultimately, that's the best thing moving forward because at least we got it out of the way.
3: Yeah, no, there's zero question. Um, I heard a story one time about a, a team that was playing overseas, and they, you know, an NFL team, and they really wanted to win the game overseas, and they didn't win it. And they wanted to win it because there was this really cool trophy. They ended up winning the the Super Bowl at the end of the year, and I think it was the head coach that looked at someone was like, "Do you still want that trophy from beginning and you know the beginning of the season?" And it's like, "No, this is the trophy that we wanted. We wanted." you know the the Lombardi trophy wanted the, the the Super Bowl trophy there's absolutely zero question and i've heard uh many coaches say that right we needed that we needed that loss we needed that close that close uh win we needed to be kind of punched in the face and shown that we have vulnerabilities and places that we can improve you hear Nick Saban say it all the time it's one of the things that i carry with me when i train for my triathlons is that you learn more about yourself when you're under uh stress or if you're under um duress or you know or, or adversity or any of that stuff that's when you learn the most about yourself i think about that all the time in my daily life because it's so true
0: shannon last one for me before we let you go so spider tack in baseball has, has been this, this big thing of late in regards to pitchers trying to get an advantage you know right, grip and spin and all that stuff and whether or not that's the case and, and it, if it should be debated that's that's not my question for you it's more in regards to nascar and I'm just kind of yep. curious, too, talking about some of the advantages that, that maybe some of these, whether it's a pit crew, uh, whether it's the driver themselves constructing the car, like, what are some of the things that are most controversial, uh, you know, good or bad, you know, with NASCAR right now, what they have going on?
3: Yeah, so with, and we talked about this last week, Brady, with NASCAR, it's so, it's inches. It's, it's quarter one hundredth, one hundred thousandth of an inch, right? The size of like a dollar bill can make like a huge difference. And so some of those things you don't see when they go through uh, pre-race inspection and maybe like their tolerance is off just a little bit because the crew chief and the engineer and the car chief realize that if you put this out of tolerance just a little bit, then that can create a little bit more drag or a little bit more downforce or a little bit more side draft or whatever it may be. So a lot of those things um, are the tolerances. As far as, like, pit crews, you know, it's pretty straightforward. You go out and do a faster pit stop than the rest of the guys. I mean, you can't have uncontrolled tires. You can't do this. So it's pretty um, cut and dry. I, I, I don't um, – they're, they're trying – I mean, they over the years have really um, cut down on a lot of this stuff That you can do inside of the race car. I was just told a story the other day that it was like back in the, I think it's got to be the 80s. I think it was D.W. uh, Daryl Waltrip, um, and and like his teammate, his teammate um, was found to have something in the gasoline. There was some kind of additive inside the gasoline uh, that would like help the car go faster. And so NASCAR came to DW and was like, hey, we found this. What do you think we should do? And DW was like, I think that you should, you know, we should throw the book at him. he should throw him out. And he's like, all right, well then, don't bring your car back next week either because uh, it was in your car too. <laughs> it was some kind of story <laughs> like that. Now, all of that stuff can't, I mean, it doesn't happen as much anymore. And if it, does, no, I should say, we don't hear about that stuff happening because it is so cut and dry and there is so much on the line and you're not going to do blatant examples of that. It is that hundred thousandth of an inch right the size of a dollar bill that can make the biggest difference in some of these cars uh
2: she's one of our favorites get her on twitter at shannon spake uh she covers that nascar for fox fox sports one also uh, listen we we, as as college football season approaches and the nfl season we are going to get more into uh, uh that as well too but shannon we always appreciate your time thanks for popping on we'll do it again next week Thanks, Shannon. You
3: guys have a great day.
2: It is uh, Kick the Coverage here on Fox Sports Radio. All right, so I do want to make sure we have full time for this, Brady Quinn, because there was uh, some curious comments from uh, an NFL quarterback uh, coming up, uh, so I want to make sure we'll get to that here. So that will be happening in 10 minutes from now, uh, and you will hear from that NFL quarterback. So 10 minutes from now, we will have that discussion. Here's what I want to know. All right, say you were in NASCAR uh, or, you know, pick a sport, like pick any sport, what would be – The go-to way to cheat, like would you would you doctor uh, something that was used in the field of play? Would you go PEDs? Like what? What are we talking about here? Like like how? Because she she was Shannon was mentioning, you know, back in the eighties, they put something in the gas. Now I don't know a damn thing about cars. I'd love to know what you put in gas to give you an advantage on on a racetrack.
0: I think cocaine. You know, some some sort of some sort of drug. (laughs) That's good. An an upper of some sort.
2: Yeah, no, that, see, that would make a yeah, lot of sense. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's and, what
0: they use in those little greyhounds. Like, I, I told you, I sent you an article the other week when we were doing our, our famous show, Headline live. right. Why, yes, that's right. There was a yeah. bunch of greyhounds all hopped up on narcotics. I mean, that's clearly what they try to do to get those things to run faster. But uh, now I, I, well, let I, me I ask do you have this. A, okay, is is it as simple as saying to you, cutting weight? like I, I would I would go through I'd basically cut eight pounds, ten pounds. I mean, if everything's about these milliseconds you know of a difference between cars and you know everything else, like wouldn't it help to be eight pounds less well, I mean- you know heavy?
2: Well, I mean, I don't know if you uh, if you heard this story. Uh, speaking of uh, cutting weight, this is a yeah, this is a good one. Uh, there was uh, back when Mayweather and Pacquiao fought. One of the stories that didn't get enough publicity was that uh, Floyd Mayweather was allowed to rehydrate using an IV. So he cut weight and then was allowed to rehydrate using this IV, which is illegal according to the Nevada State Athletic Commission. But they let Floyd do it. And if that were anybody else, it probably wouldn't have happened. But because Floyd brings in so much revenue to the state and it's such big business anytime he fights, they kind of let him cut corners a little bit and let him get away with it. Now, personally, I don't see the issue with with using an IV to try and hydrate afterwards. I don't know why that's a rule, but it is a rule. And you could look at that as being a little bit of a, a competitive advantage for Floyd Mayweather, who ended up winning that fight.
0: You know what, you're saying. what was it so. if he went across state lines before the fight? Like, let's say he goes to Cali, he goes to Arizona, well, like, he goes like, somewhere. Like,
2: Barrett Robbins, like a Barrett Robbins move uh,
0: before the Super Bowl. I have Bowl. no idea who that is.
2: Okay, Barrett, remember Barrett Robbins of the Raiders went to Tijuana before the Super Bowl and lost his mind? Remember that Barrett well, Robbins? The well, I'm not sure the that necessarily
0: applies here. I'm not really well, pointing out the fact that a guy lost his mind. I'm just saying if he went across a state border, got the IV performed, then came back. Is that that's deemed permissible?
2: Um, I, I don't believe so, but I don't even know how you would monitor that. Like, like how? Well, yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. Like you yeah. could easily get away with it. That's a good point. Um, and, and so I feel like we're giving out great advice to uh, to For fighters to out there. Yeah, like listen, like if, if you did want to cut corners, this this is the move. Uh, like, like this if, is the this show is, to listen to. Yes, right? absolutely. We will like, find
0: a way. All right, <laughs> we will help you cheat. Uh, even though we have never done anything wrong, no, uh, we will we will help you cut corners. All right, but by, by the way, I, I like how uh,
2: you and I are sitting here talking about all the ways that you can, uh, you know, bend the rules. And I think we're the the last two human beings alive on planet Earth who have never smoked a cigarette or weed. Like, I but yeah. I like how we're we're the authority on how to, how to cut corners and break the rules here. Like, how about you and I, huh? <laughs> Uh, just, just a couple, two, a couple, of couple Mormons, guys, yeah, you know? a couple, a couple just of Mormons, do, a couple of Mormons and Amish people doing, uh, doing sports talk radio. Yeah, we, we're the ones telling people how to, how to cut corners and cheat here. Uh, that's what we do. Uh, all right, Brady Quinn, Jonas Knox. This is outkick the coverage here. Fox Sports Radio coming up next. Um, you will hear from the story in the NFL. It is the number one story, and you will hear from the man himself who is the center of this story, and it's yours next year on FSR.
1: This is Outkick, the coverage.
2: Uh, so Aaron Rodgers, who I don't know if you know this or not, Brady Quinn, he's been in the news uh, this offseason. Kind of an interesting offseason for him. Um, he was uh, promoting the uh, the match, uh, this uh, this you know big uh, big ordeal they're going to do uh, that, that we're all going to get sick of at some point because it was cool the first couple of times around, and now we're just going to keep uh, you know trotting out uh, the same foursome or the same uh, two or three guys every single tournament. But um, it's uh, the Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, Um, uh, Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady, Phil Mickelson matchup that they're going to be doing. And so Aaron Rodgers was talking on Bleacher Report. This is via Bleacher Report about his offseason. And uh, this were the comments from Aaron.
0: It's been one of those quiet off seasons you just dream about where you can just kind of go through your process uh, on your own quietly. And, you know, that's all you can ask for as an older player in the league and someone who's been around for a long time and just enjoys that time to yourself to just relax, to not be bothered, to not have any obligations or anything going on. And, you know, I think that's what this off season has been about. It's been about really enjoying my time and spending it where I want to spend it and not feeling like I have to go anywhere, not having any responsibilities, but still being an NFL player at the same time. It's been great.
2: How about that? Mr. Mr. Freedom. Aaron Rodgers just enjoying that freedom Brady Quinn as he goes to Hawaii uh to to uh turn into a hippie in front of our very eyes.
0: Just amazing <laughs> stuff from Aaron Rodgers there. How about that? Well, you're also not selling everyone that the T-shirt he was wearing. What did oh, yes. that T-shirt say? Yeah, I'm offended. Uh, that was the uh,
2: T-shirt uh, from Aaron Rodgers. I'm offended. Never, never yeah. passive yeah. aggressive. Uh, <laughs> never, uh, just uh, you know, he's a, a straight shooter. That Aaron
0: Rodgers. I, I love it though. It, it provides this material. It's like a subtle jab at, at Mark Murphy for weekends at Murphy, which is coming up. Yeah, that, that tends to be when he does some of his best work. Uh, old weekends at Murphys. Yes. So, um, look. Here's the interesting thing about that comment is if he didn't want to have or feel like he has any obligation to the off season, he shouldn't put a half a million dollar workout bonus in his contract. Okay. (laughs) Um, I don't know that you really need to for quarterbacks too, by the way, like we've talked about this subject before. It's kind of standard procedure in a place like green Bay, because it's hard to keep guys up there in the off season. They'd rather be somewhere else, sunny and warm training And preparing for the, you know, mini camp and OTAs like we have going on right now. So that is something that kind of comes almost standard sometimes with their contracts, just to incentivize guys to be up in Green Bay, participating in the offseason program. And that's something that, you know, he signed up for. He's to the point in his career where he doesn't need to. I mean, he really doesn't need to if he didn't want to, but he's still got it in there. So. He's he's kind of only got himself to blame in regards to at least th- those monies. And, and as far as the rest of what he's saying, I think there is a fair amount of I've gotten to this point on my career at, you know, 30, what, six years old. I proved to you that I can still be the best player in the league. I don't really need this at this point in time right now. This is what I need in my life at this point in time right now. And I, and I do think there's a fair amount of like him probably saying, I've given so much of my life to the sport, I would like to start to have some time off. If you recall, Tom Brady started doing this around this age. He yeah. started taking off some time to be away during those voluntary portions of the offseason to be with his family. And then he would come up for the mandatory portion of things. And we all looked at it and said, well, look how many Super Bowls the guys, guys won. You know look look how he's still playing at this age, clearly he doesn't need to be there. I think Aaron, even though he doesn't have the Super Bowls, he has won, but I think he feels similar in regards to like, I don't need to be there right now. I'll come in there when I need to and the last thing I'll just say is he's one of those guys that I think is also carrying the torch for the n f l p a and the offseason season in basically saying we we saw what happened last year without an off season how things operated. Now we're going into an off season where I really don't feel like this stuff's for me. Like, I'll be good when training camp comes around. I'll be good when the season comes around. Even though, you know, there's still so many other things they've got to sort out. I do think that's more of his mental mindset as far as how he needs to handle himself as he prepares for the season if and when he does decide to come back. You don't think there's some
2: players in that Packers locker room who are, who are getting a little bit fed up with the idea of, oh it's me, me, I need this time. I'm Aaron Rodgers. It's like, dude, uh we've we've been off 5 months. Like like how much like how much more time do you need off to yourself? I just I just wonder and and I get it. And he was one of the guys that was vocal about the CBA that got that got agreed to. He was one of the main voices who came out and said, uh, you know, along the lines, I don't know what we're doing. Um, you know, m- maybe people just aren't reading into this before they agree to it and just sign off on this. So, so he's one of the. So, I do think that there is an element of that when it comes to you know, uh, you know, it's kind of sticking up for the NFLPA and kind of you know uh, drawing a line in the sand. But, man, not everybody has what he has. So there are some guys that have to show up. And I just wonder if there are players in that Packers locker room who are getting a little bit fed up of the Aaron Rodgers you know, uh, uh, passive-aggressive tour and just want some sort of resolution, like
0: you're either going to be here or not. And, and I wonder no, if that's rubbing no. people the wrong way. So, so this is probably something that bothers you, um, and, and, it, and it doesn't bother a lot of other guys for this reason. Once he comes back, and Devontae Adams or everyone else starts catching passes from him as opposed to Jordan Love, they go, oh, thank God he's back. <laughs> thank God he came back. You know, right. Thank God he's our quarterback again. That's the unfortunate reality is he's just that much more talented. And so all those players around, they see what life is like without him, without his experience, without his talent, and they're getting a dose of what the future looks like with Jordan Love right now. And, and I'm not saying Jordan Love won't be a good player. But I can tell you right now, he is nowhere close to the player Aaron Rodgers is. So, even as much as the other players may be watching this and upset about it, the reality is they will be welcoming him back, okay, as their savior <laughs> if and when he does decide to come back because of the contrast between him and Jordan Love.
2: Well, so it's kind of like, uh, you know, the following year when I didn't go to your golf tournament, like you guys felt the same thing. Like you felt like, man, you know, there, there's we actually
0: had here. the biggest year we'd ever had. Thank Raised you. more money than we ever good had. Guy. And actually we had great reviews yeah, when good, you did person. Show up. Uh, screw you, Brady Quinn. Uh, two more hours of these shenanigans next. Be sure to catch live
1: editions of Outkick, the coverage weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific.
3: Oh, oh, oh,
0: alright.